0: Welcome to the Packer Review edition of Packer Preview on this week for Sunday. I'm Dave Sinekin. Great to be with you bright and early on a Sunday morning. And Thanks for getting up with me or finding me uh, via podcast. No Packer game to talk about today. Obviously, Packer's game is in the books. Would have liked to have heard that song one or two more times at Lambeau Field Thursday night. Disappointing performance. First one of the season. First L of the season as the Pack fall to the Eagles 34 To twenty-seven, we'll spend this hour looking back at what went wrong Thursday. How concerned we should be at the quarter pole of the season. Of course, Pack sitting at three and one. We all know we would have happily taken that record going into the season if we would have said, "Hey, three and one to the four game mark done." But obviously, uh, a home loss and the most recent game is the one that sticks with you. And there were certainly a lot of issues uh, brought up in that game, not the least of which were a number of injuries. We'll discuss. But big picture, we'll take a look at. Where this team sits one quarter of the way into the season, how Matt LaFleur has handled his first four games as a head coach, and uh, we'll look ahead to the next quarter of the season and where we hope and expect this team to be once it reaches the halfway park, uh, halfway point about a month or so from now. Take your calls throughout the show. Several of you are regulars holding. That's great. Appreciate you getting up when there's no uh, Packer game to get excited about. Uh, for those interested in checking in, 651-989-5326. Or toll-free, 800-320-5326. You can always email me at the Bradshaw and Bright Inbox booth at KFAN.com or send me a tweet at TCHeadCheese if that's the easiest way to go. Let's just start off the show and hear from head coach Matt LaFleur and his thoughts following the game Thursday night, the loss to Philadelphia.
1: Matt, 491 yards of offense, and you come up a play short. How frustrating is that? Yeah, I mean it is what it is. Give give Philly credit; uh, they did a much better job of taking care of the football and uh, made more plays than us tonight. And uh, unfortunately, that's how it rolls sometimes in the National Football League. But you know, I love the effort of our guys. I thought they battled for four quarters, and they got to, We got to wipe the slate clean and get ready for uh, our next game.
0: Yeah, that would be Dallas. Not going to get much easier next Sunday. Um, yeah, one play short. Let's go back to that final play as the Packers uh, move the ball down the field. Now, again, we're going to talk a lot about this game. There's so much to unpack here, uh, but getting down to that final play, Packers had run the ball finally inside the ten, got four yards, got down to the three. And I've watched the play, well, maybe not a million times, but I've watched the play a lot because I was at the game. It happened right in the south end zone where I was sitting, although I was up pretty high. And um, you know, it's bang bang, and you see a a tip interception. And frankly, once that pick happened. I uh, said my goodbyes, and I made my way for the exits to try to beat everybody out of Lambo, make about the half-mile walk to my car, and jump on 41, which I thought I executed flawlessly. Um, I didn't see how much time they spent looking at the play. It's a turnover, so you automatically review it. I, I assume they did. I can't imagine why they wouldn't have called pass interference on that play, as cornerback Craig James had Marquez Valdez-Scantling you know, tied up like a mummy. He had his arms... You know, around him, there's no way to even reach for the ball. That said, Rogers made a mistake on the play because if you look at the playback, well, a he threw the ball too high, which you know you can't do at the goal line because it does open up a chance at deflections and picks, which he never does. I mean, he never throws red zone picks. That just is something that's not in his DNA. But man, was Darius Shepard wide open in the right corner of the end zone. If he waits a half a second longer, he's going to see number ten all by himself for the easy touchdown, and we're looking at overtime. So uh, a tough play all the way around. Uh, I don't know. I know the, the the Packers do plan on sending that play into the league to ask, you know, why didn't you look at that? If you did, why didn't you see what we all saw? Uh, but, look, hey, just like when Viking fans complain about calls that go against them, ultimately, I, I truly believe calls even out in this league. If you get a bad one at the end of a game, you're going to get one your way at some point. It's just... It's it's just the way it works. And, yeah, there was that terrible non-reversal of of interference earlier in the game on, on 83, which had everybody, I think, in the country saying, really, if, if you're not going to turn that around, then why is this one-year test of this rule even going on? And I I think I've seen enough. I'm sure most of you have seen enough. Just get rid of the rule. Just don't let interference be challengeable. It was an overreaction to what happened in the NFC Championship game, which was an egregious mistake by the officials but it's a subjective call, and it just those kind of calls are so open to interpretation that you shouldn't get the opportunity to challenge an interference call that hasn't been made. Now, I think we're seeing frustrations by coaches around the league, players, fans, everyone involved with the league. This rule needs to go away. Just take it away. Do it midseason. Just just get rid of it because we've seen time and time again coaches challenge what they believe is egregious, obvious, whatever words you want to use, interference not get overturned. It's The, the officials are afraid to, to let the officials know they made a mistake. And so uh, that's disappointing, and it's making football a little tougher to watch. Um, but bottom line, top to bottom, from start of the game to the end, uh, the Packers did not play well uh, on either side of the ball, turning the ball over, red zone issues, run defense issues, inability to run the ball, um, special teams giving the Eagles short fields. It was one of those games. I was concerned going in that you're facing an Eagles team that's coming in angry, embarrassed, desperate. I always hate when the way the schedule falls, you find a team that is coming off a loss that they were embarrassed by. And, of course, the Eagles were coming in, having given away a game to the Detroit Lions, and you knew they were going to be focused and ready. And Doug Peterson's a really good coach, and I think ultimately he did out-coach Matt LaFleur. His game plan was terrific. We knew they tried to run the ball, and they ran it effectively, too effectively. And we'll talk about what happened to the defense Thursday night. Um, but some really creative screens as well that just were money. And the Packers had no answers. Uh, a couple personnel issues on that side of the ball we're going to talk about and and corrections that need to be made. And, you know, it, just like me, you, you look at Philadelphia run for 176 yards with Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders, and you wonder what's Zeke Elliott going to do next Sunday. It's, it's going to need to be a little tightened up, or let's just say a lot tightened up. Between uh, now and then, all right. Well, let's um let's talk about the injuries first. Uh, we we saw one happen, obviously, first play of the game. Jamal Williams taken down on a vicious hit by Derek Barnett, stretchered off the field, taken to a local hospital. Uh, the good news is he did go home the next day. Aaron Jones, uh, either via Insta uh, or Twitter, I think the kids like Insta these days, uh, let us all know that he was the same old Jamal, joking, laughing, and seemed like his old self. That said, uh, he has a concussion and uh, his availability for next week is certainly in question. My guess is he will not play next week, and beyond that we'll find out uh, how quickly he can get through that. Uh, but it definitely put the offense in a tough spot. You lose your one of your two running backs on the first play, and now you're down to one active running back plus your fullback, and that does change things. It changes how you call the game. I think Lafleur may have overreacted to that just a bit, um, the run-pass splits were not even close to even. 54 passes and 14 runs, and that's just not a recipe for success, especially on your home field. Now granted, Philadelphia, their defense is very good against the run, and they were ranked, I think, 31st against the pass. You knew you were going to throw on them. Case Keenum threw for 380, Matt Ryan threw for over 300, Stafford had a productive day. You knew you were going to throw against that defense, but um, the Packers were so one-dimensional after Jamal went down, and you know, Aaron Jones, thirteen carries, twenty one yards. That's that's not going to get it done. So I think LaFleur, I hope LaFleur, learned a little something that you can't overreact uh when you lose somebody like that. And uh, maybe Vitale should have been, you know, used a little bit, give him a couple carries. Uh Aaron Rodgers was your leading rusher with five carries for forty six yards. So Jamal Williams with the concussion, uh Brian Bulaga goes out in the first half with a shoulder injury. If you had Three and a half games before Bulaga gets hurt on the over-under. Congratulations, you won. Uh, very concerning. Bulaga had been the best Packers offensive lineman through three games. We all know he is a ticking time bomb. You never know how long he's going to last. At least it's not a knee that we're talking about. It's a shoulder. But uh, I've seen nothing yet as to the severity of Brian Bulaga's injury. Alex Light called on to come in. I didn't think he was terrible, um, but uh, he wasn't great. He uh, did not checking uh, Bob McGinn's grades. After the game at the Athletic, uh, he did not uh, grade out Alex Light very cleanly. Uh, Tough spot to come in, obviously, middle of a game. Uh, Undrafted guy that's knocked around the league for a couple years and never been asked to step into prime time, so um, that's a tough spot. But he was not great, and the offensive line certainly struggled once Bulaga went down. Uh, Most concerning injury, of course, is the turf toe to Devontae Adams, which happened early fourth quarter after his most productive game as a pro. Ten catches for 180 yards. 15 targets. He did most of his damage in the first half. We saw the long pass, the 58-yard pass play, a number of big catches for Adams, and then he goes down with the turf toe and was not out there uh, for the final nine minutes. Sounds like uh, we've avoided a serious injury. I do think he'll miss some time. He talked about his toe right after the game. You know, you feel like in situations like
2: that, you let the team down. Obviously, I would have been out there if I could, but, you know, in a little bit of pain. and. You know, it's tough with a you know with a, with a toe injury and the type of player I am, and what you know, I kind of what my game is uh, kind of based on is explosion and things like that. So if I can't get out there and really do my thing how, how I want. And I'm in a lot of pain. I'm sure my teammates understand that, but it's tough, man, because I feel like those are the type of moments that I'm built for, and, you know, I've been able to capitalize and, and you know, bring home a win and or help bring home a win for, for my team um, in the past, so it, it sucks.
0: Matty, how did it happen? Did you get caught under you on that last catch?
2: Yeah, it just kind of rolled up on me, and then I just, my foot just kind of got stuck in the ground a little bit and folded over, so... Um, it's a turf-toe situation. We just got to take a look and, and see, see what the deal is.
0: Yeah, so that's concerning. And, you know, it's nice to hear a guy that, that does care so much for the team that his first concern was he's letting his teammates down, not being out there for the back half of the fourth quarter. Uh, big picture, this team uh, does not go where it needs to go without a healthy Devontae Adams. So if if he misses a game, two, if he's out till the bye, it is what it is. You're going to have to find some playmakers. And that, that was one of the concerns heading into the season. After Devontae Adams, who scares your defense who, uh, who do you rely on? And we don't really have clarity on that. You've seen Allison make some plays. You've seen an MVS make some plays. Jimmy Graham had six for 61 Thursday night with a couple key drops in the end zone. So guys are going to have to step up. It'll, it would open up Alan Lazard, Darius Shepard, and, you know, maybe they do look around and see if there's a an underperforming team with a wide receiver that's sitting out there. The, the name that always comes to mind for me is Corey Davis down in Tennessee, uh, former number one pick, who uh, really hasn't taken off yet. Maybe – Maybe you look at it, although, like I say, it looks like he's escaped serious injury here. Um, I don't think the expectation is that he misses much time. Devontae Adams has been a very healthy uh, player you can rely on. Obviously, injuries happen. But if it does look like something that might keep him out a few weeks, maybe they do make a move. Uh, They do like their depth, um, but really... I think there is one other receiver on the roster who is a drafted player. I think everybody else was undrafted. Jay Kumoro was not dressed, still dealing with an injury. So uh, we need some clarity at the receiver position with a tough game coming up and a game you're going to need to throw the football against the Dallas Cowboys for sure next week. We'll step away for the first time, come back, take your calls, uh, read some tweets, and uh, look at uh, the game Thursday night. Biggest concerns, things to, to work on, uh, lots to talk about as the pack falls to 3-1. and one through four games on the season. This is Packer Preview on The Fan. You're listening to Packer Preview on
2: The Fan. The Fan.
1: Tell all the people across the U.S.A. That's why I
0: love my Green Bay Packers. All right, back with you, seven twenty on a Saturday morning. This is Packer Preview on the Fan, a review edition, as we look back at the loss Thursday night to the Eagles, 34-27, a loss at Lambeau, and Green Bay falls to 3-1, and, and the licking their wounds again, getting set for one of the tougher games on the schedule at the Dallas Cowboys, 325, next Sunday afternoon. Get to phone calls in just a second. I want to answer a tweet. Uh, From Dylan that came at the top of the show asking what was more concerning about the game on Thursday, the rush defense or the Packers not able to get the rushing game going. Uh, For me, it was the rush defense. Um, Seeing a Philadelphia team that's not known to be a great team that runs the football well, just um, chewing up yardage on the ground and seeing the Packers front getting abused by maybe one of the better offensive lines in football. The Eagles are terrific across the front. Jason Kelsey is elite. Jason Peters is elite. That's a very good offensive line. But, you know, when you've got Kenny Clark on the other side of the ball, you expect uh, the defense to hold its own. And, um, and I don't know if the loss of Montrevius Adams is bigger than felt, that, that Tyler Lancaster uh, is not a guy you want to count on uh, across the board, and I'm sure he's not. That's why he's a backup. Uh, maybe it's having two Northwestern guys <laughs> on your defensive line is, is a tough deal. Obviously, Dean Lowry's been very good. But they all struggled on Thursday night, and Kenny Clark talked about it after the game. We gotta we gotta come together as a group and uh, you know just, just fix our run fits, really, uh, uh, you know be more physical at the point of attack, uh, you know just just up everything and you know you know and make plays really tackle better all that so uh, yeah yeah that's what we gotta do. It wasn't just the defensive line. Blake Martinez had a bad game, made some bad choices. Uh, B.J. Goodson was finally brought in uh, in the fourth quarter. As a run stopper, I thought that was too late by Mike Pettin. You know, he likes to run that extra safety in there, but when we lost Raven Green, we didn't really have a guy we could count on to, to come up and, and be kind of that hybrid linebacker. Oren Burks still out with the injury, and Will Redmond just got abused. I mean, Carson Wentz just picked on Will Redmond, the safety that uh, that stepped in to, to take that kind of linebacker role, and that's not uh, what he is good at. So Mike Pettin's got to fix some things. We, we love where this defense has come Uh, There's a lot of potential here and a lot of great young players. The strength of this defense appears to be in the secondary right now. Kevin King, I thought, played much better than the previous game, although he left with a groin injury late. And uh, whenever you hear uh, Kevin King injury, you just start to shake your head. Tony Brown, the other cornerback that uh, we were counting on this year out of Bama, he left the game early as well. Uh, But that secondary has been terrific. The the safeties with, with Amos and Savage, I have totally transformed that position. J.R. Alexander is already being talked about as uh, you know an elite cornerback in this league, having played just, what, 20 games, and is getting better and better, and is a leader in that locker room for the defense, even at his young age. So a lot to be excited about with the defense. The two Smiths, uh, I thought, held in check. Those guys could not get to uh, Carson Wentz or bother him enough. Uh, again, kudos to a very talented Eagles offensive line. But my biggest uh, takeaway, my biggest concern from Thursday night, was that defense not being able to rush uh, or not be able to stop the rush, and um Packers will play a number of teams that run the football very well, none better than Dallas next week, so they got to get it fixed and if you want to play your best football you know in December and January when the weather turns and you got to run the ball better, you've got to stop that run, so we're going to need to see how uh, how Mike Patton fixes that part of his operation all right to the uh, Packer lines we go and we welcome our good buddy, old Southside guy, good morning, sir.
1: Davey, good morning. Yeah, very frustrating uh, against Philly, and too bad. Uh, Rogers didn't hold that ball for another half second because he did have Shepard White open in the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Davey, I never thought I would say this, but I cannot stand the Dallas Cowboys, but I am going to be rooting for the Cowboys to beat New Orleans. I think we'd be better off. Going into Dallas, with Dallas being undefeated, then uh, having a uh, a defeat on their ledger.
0: Yeah, uh, Southside, I said that in the zone yesterday as well. Um, I'm not sure it matters (laughs) if they come in with a win or a loss, the way they're playing right now, and especially at home. But yes, I I don't like to root for the Saints or the Cowboys, frankly, but uh, I don't want to face a Cowboys team coming in after a a loss in prime time, and they're going to be focused and and ready to turn things around, kind of like what Philly was all about. You know, They lost a home game to Detroit, a game they absolutely expected to win, and you knew you were going to get a focused effort. Uh, a lot of time, you look at a schedule when it comes out in April, and you, you look at the wins and losses you think your team's going to get, but so much is dependent upon uh, the rhythm of the season and, and what happened to the team you're facing the week before, whether it's injuries, whether they won or lost. So yeah, I'd love to see Dallas look great tonight, win that game, get to 4-0. and Everybody's telling them they're a Super Bowl team. And um, and then maybe Green Bay can come in and, and uh, give them a bit of a battle and maybe surprise them.
1: Yeah, maybe one other thing. Um, in every game this year, we've gotten off to a pretty quick start. We look deficient. We look crisp. We move the ball down the field. Uh, much has been made about those being scripted plays, so to speak. And when we get away from the scripted plays and go to our, our – um, uh, on the down play calling, it seems that we seem for stall. What do you think
0: about that? Um, thanks for the call, Southside. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. I think there is some truth to that. I think the Bears are a good example. I think when mister trubisky Biscay's got his first 10 or 12 plays, you always see the Bears jump out with a pretty good-looking offense early. Uh, we didn't see it, obviously, our first game of the year against Chicago, where we had minus 12 yards of offense after the first quarter. But yeah, the last few weeks, the uh, the offense has jumped out. And I think that is a a function of a, of a coach knowing what he wants to do to start the game, and, and I don't, I'm not concerned about that, but I thought the offense, you know, granted, they need to run the football a whole lot better, but uh, I thought Aaron Rodgers played a great game Thursday night. I thought we saw some things from the offense that we were waiting to see, like um, we'll go back to the end of the first half when Lafleur took those defensive timeouts when the Eagles were at the goal line, and I think Green Bay had already used one timeout, so they, they used those last two and gave themselves a minute after the Eagles scored. In a minute, I was thinking, well, man, I, I've seen nothing from this offense this year that tells me that they're going to move the football down the field in a minute without timeouts. But they did, and Rodgers did one of his patented one-minute drives, moved the ball down the field, get, hits Allison in the end zone. Uh, it's a one-point game at halftime, and, and I'm feeling really good about this offense, showing me something that I hadn't seen yet uh, with Matt LaFleur running things. And, you know, granted, um, We talked about the inability to run the football, and that's a problem. And it's got to improve, and they've got to call more running plays. But, man, I mean, they got to the red zone seven times Thursday night against a pretty good Philly defense and only three touchdowns. And and that's just not going to do it. And you had the turnover. You had um, you know, being at the one-yard line and turn the ball over on downs. I mean, that was the the series for me that ended the game. And granted, Green Bay had a chance to win it. But you're first and goal at the one, and you don't get in at home. Um, that that's that 's a problem, and the play calling we can talk about pass 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 I think one of those was a run pass option, and maybe uh, rogers made the wrong call there don 't know i didn't uh look back at it haven't seen you know exactly what happened there but um no, I was not really overly concerned that you know great quick start ten nothing lead offense moving it up and down the field, and then they stagnated no, I thought i mean heck rogers threw for four hundred and twenty two yards thirty four for fifty three uh, two touchdowns and that one pick at the end. So I was, I guess, looking at what was positive from Thursday night. The column is very short, but it, it's led by the passing game, and, and Rodgers looking much more comfortable and um, showing us something in the two-minute drill. And um, just uh, I feel a lot better about where this offense is going, and, and I think Rodgers played well. I mean, he's running the football. We don't want to see him run five times for 46 yards every week, but – um that Philly team was, hey, they, they were my preseason Super Bowl team. And to me, they're still talented enough to get there. That's a good football team. You come in one and two, and you figure, wow, it's a great time to play Philly. You know, they're going they're, they're around, they're hurt, they're trying to figure things out. That's a proud championship football team that's going to be there at the end of the season. And, and they played a better, cleaner football game and deserve to win that game, regardless of what happened at the end and, and some of the ways the Packers shot themselves in the foot. Philly deserved to win that football game. They ran the ball better. They stopped the run better. They turned the ball over. And um, and they played a much cleaner game from my standpoint. Next up, we welcome our good buddy Dave from Shakopee. Good morning, sir.
2: Good morning. So, very disappointed, as you've talked about on the game on Sunday. But some of this we've seen coming with the Packers uh, stopping, trying to stop the run, uh, run defense. We saw it a little bit in the... Bear game, the Viking game exposed. Um, we haven't talked too much about the Denver game. Um, that was, again, we saw the, the run not being stopped. And, and overall, that was a fun game to go to and stuff. But Thursday night's game was just, as you've mentioned, just ungodly awful. I mean, Roger's great. He passed for all those yards. That's, that's great. But games are decided in the red zone. And in the first half, when Green Bay did not score touchdowns and instead got field goals, I'm not sure if I text you or another friend of mine. I said, you know, touchdowns win games in the NFL, not, not field goals. And you talked a little bit about the officiating and stuff, and it just seems that these, these officials don't have the conads to make a call because you are hoping someone else makes a call for them. And it's just not the Packer game that we saw on, on Thursday night. It's the whole league so far this year that we've seen Terrible officiating, and I don't know if the league is dictating some of this. Um, the holdings are up all across the league. It's getting frustrating to see some of these games flag after flag after flag after flag. And Jimmy Graham, you know, I've been on him the whole season. Awful, awful. You know, what they need to do, and I'm, maybe I'm just overreacting here give him a bratwurst and a Miller Light, and maybe that's being too nice to him and hopefully you get some other tight end there that wants to catch the ball because he's a veteran, and he should have caught those balls. He should have caught those those so He's older. He's experienced enough to catch those
0: balls. Yeah, and he's the highest-paid tight end in the NFL as well, so that's uh, not to make you feel worse. But he's very well compensated. Thanks, Dave. I feel your frustration through the phone lines. Um, I understand it, and I agree with it. Um, Graham was productive, six catches, 61 yards, uh, touchdown, nine targets. But – Two chances at the end of the game, and he tries to catch him one-handed. And um, you have to come down with the football if you're Jimmy Graham and um, a highly compensated tight end in this football league. I'm ready to move on from him. I want to see Robert Tanyan get a chance. I'm hoping Jay Sternberger can um, uh, get healthy and they can get him off IR midseason. And, again, as a rookie, you don't expect a ton, but let's get him going and get some production out of that tight end position because Jimmy Graham is not the future. Uh, I I think Goody's afraid to sort of announce and admit that he made an error bringing him back for a second season, but um, he's not bringing what uh, this team needs, and uh, it's it's really time to move on. As far as officiating goes, uh, this, team, the, this league has lost a number of veteran referees and veteran officials the last couple of years. I think it's kind of an underreported story. There's a lot less uh, veteran leadership in the officiating department, and it's been ugly. There have been way too many holding calls, way too many flags, and the, the interference challenge thing has been an unmitigated disaster. It needs to go away. It's a great product. We all love the NFL. But when we're talking about uh, officials not performing well or consistently, it uh, definitely takes some of the fun out of the game. That's not what we want to focus on. But what we'll focus on in our final segment is um, stepping back and looking where this team is four games in, uh, what we're happy about, what needs to get fixed, and looking ahead to the second quarter of the schedule and what the Packers have in store over the next four weeks. Uh, much more to come. Final segment, Packer preview right after these. You're listening to Packer Preview on the Fan, the Fan.
2: Let me hear you for the pack, y'all. Yo, cause the pack ain't whack, y'all.
0: Let me, let me, let me hear you say. Here. the guys dressed in green remember that just in case we have face to face mask contact and the man on deep that's red g one of the guys quarterbacks hope they don't see so don't think you'll beat the packers you're wrong antonio is behind your boy uh, i just have to make you feel better right on a sunday morning with uh, no packer football to look forward to um little men in green to get you going packers will return to action next sunday afternoon at dallas the uh three game road trip is over 2 and 1 record Packers head down to Dallas at 3-1, and the Cowboys play tonight, prime time against the New Orleans Saints. They have looked like the class of the NFC through the three games, though last week they let the Dolphins hang around for about two and a half quarters. Uh, sometimes you don't read a lot into that because uh, how excited could the players be about that game knowing the Dolphins are a train wreck? But um, I don't know, little, um little left, things left to wonder when you watch Dallas uh, kind of kick themselves around with Miami and not take charge till midway through. The third quarter, I actually think they're in a tough spot tonight against New Orleans on Sunday night. I think uh, the Saints got some confidence in Seattle, I think uh, they might give Dallas all they can handle tonight. Uh, but as we said with old Southside guy, we got to root for Dallas. I uh, hate to do it, but I don't want to see them coming off a loss when they're angry and they want to take it out on the pack. Let's let Dallas feel good about themselves, look great, get a win, and, uh, and maybe they'll uh, uh, lay an egg when the Packers come to town next Sunday. We'll look at the first four games and look ahead to the next four as well in a moment. First, let's hear from our good buddy Dave from Maple Grove. How are you doing this morning? Well, they're not letting me buy sharp objects yet. So That's I probably, probably smart, that yeah. Probably a good idea.
1: <laughs> is. um Actually, you know, overall, this team is not obviously hitting that all eight, but you know, so I'm actually encouraged. The reason I'm encouraged is new coaches to have new offense, knew everything, a lot of different personnel. And we walked out of it 3-1, and one, and we clearly have not played our best football. Clearly our best football is ahead of us. And I think walking out of this first quarter of the season, as much as anything, Dave, I'm actually a little bit encouraged by the fact that we, our best fo- football is yet to be played.
0: I think that's fair. I, I am, too. I Look, the defenses look great. You go and beat uh, the Bears and Vikings to start the season, that's uh... – really, you know, that's all you can ask for. Now, you know, biggest concerns are injuries, right? I mean, you want Devontae Adams to be okay. That, you know, turf toe injury can be naggy. Uh, We have no idea how severe it is. Sounds like it's not too bad, but, you know, you want Adams and Bulaga out there as the season rolls on. Obviously, no team escapes injuries, but those are two, I would say two of the five most important Packers on this team. you got the two tackles, uh, Adams and Rodgers, and, you know, fifth guy, you know, pick a guy. Is it Aaron Jones? Is it... Uh, one of the Smiths. I'm not sure. Maybe they're two of the four most valuable players. So I'm a little concerned about those injuries. But yeah, big picture, three and one, new coach, new players. Uh, you can't uh, feel too badly about where the Packers sit.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think we're gonna go forward over this next, uh, next <laughs> four. So let's go ahead and sweep sweep these next four. Okay. Sit at seven and one halfway through.
0: Yeah, that that sounds great. Those uh, road games in Dallas and Kansas City might be a bit tricky though, Dave. Let's uh, let's. Uh, man. Come to our senses just a little bit. thanks for the call we'll talk to you next sunday yeah, so let's look ahead to the next four games It's always fun to kind of pick apart the season by quarters and see what you what you hope to do and uh three and one would have been my hope heading into the season with three home games. You figure all right, maybe you lose the opener, but then you got three home games, Vikings, Denver, and philly and let's try to win those three and and get to three and one well it didn't work out quite that way, but that's where they are three and one, and uh this next four. Uh, is uh, is tricky, to say the least, the way it starts and finishes. At Dallas, then uh, a Monday night home game against the Lions, then Oakland at home, and then at Kansas City on Sunday night football. So uh, those are probably two of your three or four toughest road games on your calendar. You can throw the Bears and Vikes in there. Those are always tough, but um, I'd be hard-pressed to believe the Packers are going to win either of those road games. So if that's the case, you obviously must take care of business at home against Detroit and Oakland. The Lions have been a surprise. They have yet to lose a game. They've got the Chiefs at home today, and Matthew Stafford's not 100%. Uh, one advantage the Lions will have, uh, assuming they lose today, and I believe they will, to follow the 2-1-1, one, and one, they get their bye next week. So they're going to have two weeks to get ready for the Pack, two weeks for Matthew Stafford's hip to heal, and two weeks to prepare and, uh, and be ready for Green Bay, whereas the Pack, of course, plays at Dallas next Sunday. So a bit of an advantage for Detroit. Lions have played well against the Pack the last couple years. That's been the opposite of what we've seen over the last quarter century. But if you're serious about being a contender in this division, in this league, you would take care of the Lions at home on Monday night football. And then on a short week, you get the Raiders. That's obviously the easiest of the four games. And then at Kansas City on Sunday night, obviously, that's going to be tricky. Uh, Chiefs are a Super Bowl contender. That offense is incredible. Uh, Packers should be able to move the football. That should be a high-flying game with a lot of points score, but I certainly favor the Chiefs. So it feels like 2-2. and Over the next four games, uh, if that's the case, you're five and three at the halfway point, and um, you feel good, but you've still got road games at the Chargers, at the Vikings, at the Lions, and if you lose those three, you've got to win your next your other five, and that uh that gets you to ten wins, which I think is our goal so uh, it's a long way away there's a lot to happen between now and then, obviously, injuries, maybe a trade or two. Uh, this team is still growing, but looking at these next four though The road games do not look to be easy. They Look to be two of the three toughest games on the schedule. So I'm looking at a two and two record over the next four. Um, what do we like through the first four games? Well, I certainly like the first three draft picks that uh, John Gudikunz made uh, in April. Right? I mean, Rashawn Gary. Okay, Jerry still might be out a little bit, but he has shown development every game. And I don't know, you know, where his ceiling is. He is a boomer bust kind of guy. I think that was the uh, the idea coming out. Of college, He's got all the measurables and the speed and everything you want, but the, the production was not there at Michigan. I love the fact that he's got the two Smiths to mentor him. Uh, I love the way this defense seems to have really come together as a family. You know, they've, they go out to dinner together. They, they seem to really enjoy each other. They're very supportive. That's a, a really good sign for a young defense that's really just trying to figure out how good they can be, and I think Rashawn Gary figures to be a nice piece, and Darnell Savage certainly seems like a hit. That, that Goody made by trading up, which I was a little, nah, not a little, I, I didn't like the pick, the, to not the pick, but the, to trade two fourth-round picks to move up and take a safety when there were probably three or four safeties that were all graded out as you know late first, early seconds, and I said, you just, just take which one's there, right? Uh, but it looks like Savage is the real deal, the speed, uh, tenaciousness, still learning the position, but uh, looks like he is going to be a terrific player for a long time. For this defense. And then Elton Jenkins in the second round. Again as a Rube fan like many of you. You're in the second round. There's all these receivers that are sitting there. That have not been drafted yet. and I was hoping they'd pluck a receiver. To uh, to add to Aaron Rodgers' arsenal. But nope. They went to the big kid from Mississippi State. And man what a great pick. It looks like he is. He is the left guard of the present. Of the future. The Lane Taylor injury made the decision easy. And uh, uh, Elton Jenkins looks every bit the part. When we saw him back up Linval Joseph into the end zone on a touchdown and just bull rush him backward, uh, that showed you a lot about his potential. He is going to be a fixture on this offensive line for years to come. So first three draft picks look like they are going to be productive. Almost every down type players for this team. Uh, There were no. uh, Jay Sternberger was the third round pick, the tight end. He has not played with the injury. Certainly a guy we'd love to count on at a position that could use some help, uh, whether he develops and, and delivers this year or whether he stays on IR, that remains to be seen. No fourth-round picks. Uh, Kingsley Kiki, the defensive lineman, uh, got a couple plays Thursday night. Uh, they like his potential. I think he might be a rotational player for this team. And then beyond that, with Dexter Williams, we'll probably get a chance to see him in Dallas on Sunday. Uh, Holdman, the uh, the cornerback, and Summers, the uh, linebacker, uh, those are guys that uh, are on the roster and uh, certainly have a chance. We have no idea whether they uh, have a future with this team or not. So I think that's a... A good sign is is the draft looks like it was a successful one for this team. What else through four games? Matt LaFleur's start as a head coach. Uh, Is the stage too big for a young guy who was a coordinator for one year? And granted, been in this league a long time and worked with quarterbacks, and we've talked about his history with Shanahan, with McVay, um, talented young offensive mind. Was he ready for this job, this uh, legacy franchise? And it looks like he is. He still kind of seems like a guy that, keeps looking around saying, is this really my job? Am I really the the head coach of the Green Bay Packers? But the stage does not seem too big. You you see him in in locker rooms after games talking to the team, and you can tell the team really likes his energy, the way he communicates. So I I think he's the right guy. Um, I think he was out-coached Thursday night. I think that's going to happen when you're playing against a Super Bowl-winning coach and you're still kind of figuring things out. He's had a tough start, right? I mean, for a first-time coach to have to play two Thursday night games, your first four, that screws with your schedule, that that changes your preparation. It's tough for a first-time coach. I think that's underplayed just a little bit. You know, you got Andy Reid. You know, got a guy that's been around forever. That's no big deal. But uh, everything ramps up and changes when you're playing on Thursday. So that's been tricky. He's had to play two division games right out of the gate. Um, you know, Broncos team that was certainly ripe for the plucking. But um, in a game that could have been a trap game. Between Vikings and Eagles, you're playing this AFC team that's winless, yet they took care of business easily. So I think a lot to like from what we've seen from Matt LaFleur through, through four games. But now he's dealing with a little adversity uh, after a lousy performance Thursday night. How does he rally the troops? Get them uh, back on the page. They're sure getting the, this weekend off after the uh, Thursday night game, and they'll come back early next week. And, and how does he rally them and get them back on track? And Um, ready for uh, one of the stiffest tests of the year, the Dallas Cowboys, next Sunday at 325. Uh, Let's, again, look at where we stand injury-wise. This team is banged up. Most teams are banged up after playing four games, but um, we will monitor very closely the uh, health of Brian Bulaga and Devontae Adams because those two guys are absolutely key if this offense wants to be able to keep pace with a team like the Cowboys and and the Chiefs coming up over the next uh, four weeks. Jamal Williams as well. Uh, We don't know what we have with Dexter Williams. Clearly they're not comfortable uh, with him on the roster as a participating player because he hasn't dressed yet through three games. He will dress next Sunday, I'm sure of that. I don't think we'll see Jamal Williams next Sunday as he is in the concussion protocol. Yep, it's a longer week, ten days. But man, that was a a vicious hit. He was hospitalized. And, um, you know, this could be several weeks. No idea. I just hope he's okay. Hope he gets through it. Sounds like. As we said earlier, Aaron Jones said he looked like the same old and was talking like the same old Jamal the next day. Uh, But that's the guy we can't count on necessarily uh, for the next week. So what do we have to correct from what we saw Thursday night? Obviously the rush defense must improve. Mike Patton has to figure out a way to uh, to put his guys in better position. You're not going to face an offensive line like that every week, but uh, Dallas is right there with Philly, so it's going to be another stiff test for that front. Uh, Not a good performance by Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, uh, they did not uh, set uh, the line at all, and and, and Philly dominated. I need to see a cleaner special teams game, right? I mean, Mason Crosby uh, should be kicking that ball out of the end zone and and allowed a big return. It's not all on him. It's on the uh, special teams as well. Then they overreact and his next kickoff. He kicks out of bounds to kick away from the returner, and now you give Carson Wentz the ball on the 40-yard line. So just little things. Got to clean up special teams. have to run the ball better. Got to be committed to the run. Uh, that got away from Matt LaFleur on Thursday night. Again, a lot of that's the opponent. Philly's a very good run defense team. They're very shorthanded on the back end without their top corner, Ronald Darby. Their number three corner, Sidney Jones, went out in uh, in the first quarter. So um, that was sort of the game plan. You know you could throw on Philly. And Aaron Rodgers looked like he was much more comfortable in the offense Thursday night. You know, 422 yards. Two touchdowns, ran the ball when he needed to. We saw the one minute drill moving down the field and one minute in scoring. We saw in the fourth quarter when they're trailing, moving down the field, getting down to the inside the five yard line, and they just weren't as productive in the red zone as we are accustomed to. And so that happens. Again, relax. Big picture. This team is three and one through four games. They will be uh, atop the uh, NFC North. I believe the uh, Lions will fall to the Chiefs today. And, uh, and Green Bay will be sitting there tied with, I think, the Vikings. I think the Vikes are going to go down to Chicago and exercise some demons against the Bears today. Um, and all will be well. So let's just get healthy. Let's learn from Thursday night and um, hope we see a just a strong performance against Dallas. And we'll talk about that next Sunday. That's going to be a tough one for sure. I'm not done today. I'm filling in on the fan 11-1. to No Packer talk. I've promised uh, to stay away from that. But plenty on the Vikes-Bears. Looking back at the Gophers, the Twins-Yankees series. So uh, stay tuned to The Fan all morning. We're back next Sunday. And until then, go Pack. Packer Preview is brought to you by JTR Roofing, The Park Tavern, and Devani. You're
1: listening to The Fan.